welcome back to excuse, excuse my, my friend. friend i'm julia and i'm alexis and today we have boss lady renee bauer on our show she is a lawyer international speaker podcast host author and recovering good girl we are so excited to chat with you and welcome to the show so you've been a lawyer for 20 years that's a long time and that's so badass we were totally creeping on you and i heard that you've been divorced twice is that correct that is true and married a third time so yes wow. i have been divorced twice yeah so i had so much shame around it initially and i never talked about it like couldn't even imagine going on a podcast and being like yeah i'm twice divorced but it has been such a journey mm -hmm. of like talking about it and kind of owning it and now like now i declare it proudly because i'm like you know what i got out so what did you learn from going through two divorces? Trust your gut. Because if I was paying attention to that little red flag for both of them and for both very different reasons, like my first marriage, like he was fine. There was nothing wrong with him. He's a good guy. You know, it was fine. But I also knew that something just was was missing. And then the second one, the red flags were like waving me down and were like shouting at me and jumping up and down. And I'm like, oh, no, this is just, you know, it's just what happens when you first get married. It's, you know, it's just beginner's luck. And um, and had I really paid attention to those voices, I would have realized that neither of those people were really good for me. And I often hear clients who will say the same thing. They're like, well, I kind of knew right from the beginning. But I did it anyway, because I talked myself out of it. I told myself, well, you're just being silly. You're being ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, he'll change. You know, you start telling those stories. And like, and as soon as you start making excuses for them, you know, that's really the, the indication that you're probably going down a path that's going to be really rocky. You said women change their behavior to modify for a guy. I feel yeah. like that is so true. Yeah. Who you hang out with, who you are the things that you say, like even what you eat. I mean, come on, you go out to dinner. It's not like it, it's, you see, you see it on TV. It's like they, they're starving and they order the salad or whatever it is, but it's like, that's usually the sign that something's not right. And it's not just for women too. Cause it, you know, men go through this as well is when they start to modify their own behaviors in order to keep the peace in the house. Like that's a sign that something is probably broken and either you can try to fix it or you can walk away from it, but you can't ignore it. Because what happens is just the resentment festers and it builds up and it doesn't go away. And all of a sudden you explode. And usually more women file for divorce than men. And when they do, they're checked out. Like women are like, I'm done. I'm angry. Yeah. I'm resentful. We're Once not coming done, back from this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like us women sometimes think love conquers all. And sometimes with those red flags, we think it'll get better. Or if the relationship is rocky, once we get married, it'll get better. Or once we have babies, it'll get better. Do you find that? I think you people... said that it amplifies, right? Like the problems that you have while you're dating are even worse when you're married. A hundred percent. I mean, right. it's usually mm -hmm. like money problems, right? That typically does not get better. Someone comes into a marriage with money issues or money stories and that gets amplified some people are, are just a big spender and if you're not talk talking about that ahead of time you may have someone who's a saver and they feel so safe and so insecure because the other person's spending money when they just want to save it all like those are the types of conversations you need to have before you walk down the aisle and like my my second husband we were we were i was married start to finish in and out a year and a half like it was super short wow. and i knew really early on 
But at one point when things were like at the absolute worst, he was like, let's have a baby. And like, oh, like that's going to fix anything, right? Like that's not going to fix anything. That's going to make things so much worse. And that's going to tie me to you forever. So if, if, if you start having kids in order to fix your marriage, you're just prolonging a problem later on. Like you have to work on the two of you before you bring that kid into the situation. Because even the best and the strongest of marriages, like kids add a stressor just had this happen today with someone I met. They're living in separate bedrooms. The kids see this, they know it. I'm like, that's what you're teaching your kids is normal in a relationship. And they're going to model that after you. So we do so much harm to our kids when we think we're actually protecting them because now they're, they're stuck in the conflict or they're, they're, they're mirroring this unloving relationship. And rather than say, listen, like every kid has something or all humans have something that we have to work through or heal in our, in our, you know, adulthood. It's mm-hmm. inevitable. Like we all have it. And it's like, you have the opportunity though, to say, you know what, maybe this is going to be hard and we're going to have two households, but we can each model what a loving household looks like, mm-hmm. what a loving relationship looks mm-hmm. like. And you can at least show them that. And so, you know, whatever they need to go to therapy for maybe isn't that it could be something else, but you know, it's just so many, I see so many adults later on say like, you know, my family stayed intact, but because of that, you know, there was so much conflict, so much anger, so much fighting. Now I'm conflict adverse. Now I don't know how to have a healthy relationship. And we do so much damage when we actually think we're doing right by our kids. How do you suggest we have those hard conversations with someone that we're dating? It's awkward. It's like, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, let's like talk about money and our spending. I know we've been together for like a year now, but let's talk about it now. Like, how do you make it unawkward? Um, I don't know if you can, so oh, you just have to get over that. You just have to be like, all right, this is going to be a hard conversation. And you, it doesn't have to be a first date conversation. Like this can be like, hey, we're going to move in together. We're going to start having a future together. So let's sit down and talk about the things that are going to impact us as a couple or us as a, you know, our future and what that looks like. And so, but I will tell you, it's not a first date. I don't advise like that's the conversation you have, but that is what I did with my current husband because oh, I was definitely like, going to do that. Really? Wait, you wait? So you like sat down, you're like, how do you feel about X, Y, and Z? Like, how did oh, you yeah. feel about like, it? Like, I think it was our second date. And I was like, listen, I've been through this before. I'm twice divorced. I have no plans of having a racking up a third. Don't waste my time. I won't waste yours. We don't <laughs> need to commit to anything today, but we need to at least know that we're like aligned. So I sat there and went through and I was like, how do you feel about religion? If I open your medicine cabinet, what will I see in there? Are you dirtier? I mean, I was like, in- <laughs> the that's one I've never heard. And I respect that because why waste our time? Right. And I think it's so important for women to be financially savvy, to be educated, to know what's happening in the household with money, whether or not they're working, having those conversations, not just trusting that the other person's going to deal with it, like actually really knowing where the money goes, where it flows, what's happening with retirement and not just sitting back and being like someone else is handling this. So I think that no matter what, no matter how healthy, no matter how happy that each person in that partnership should have their own separate, and then you can absolutely have joint as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that you having that separate identity gives you the freedom to go do something and not ask permission. You'd be surprised. Like I have a friend who can't go and buy something without something for the house, like some appliance without actually getting permission from her husband. And that's so sad to me. I'm like, you should be able to go buy or go get your nails done or whatever it is without actually relying on your spouse to say yes or no to that and having like your own little nest egg. And so if 
you ever needed it, whether it's to hire a lawyer or not, you don't have to actually look to them for that support. You can actually go into your own account and pull it out. And then absolutely have your joint stuff too. Pay your bills from that joint. I mean, that's important. But, you know, and, and I get pushback on this because people are like, well, if you're truly like fully committed to each other, then you don't mind like entwining everything. I'm like, it works until it doesn't. And right. what's wrong with having a little bit of financial independence so that you're each your own separate person and then you come together and you're that much better. I think you should be able to go buy that candle from TJ Maxx without asking your husband. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Well, I think that there's that. a lot of women who are like, we're just not going to get married. We're going to live together. And that's what we're going to do because we don't need that, like that legal, you know, definition of, of defining who we are. But I also think when you see something a little bit more traditional, you'll see that story get passed down and women are afraid to break that or have those uncomfortable conversations about money. I mean, even think about like talking about how much you earn. Like women don't typically talk about it. Men talk about it. They boast, mm -hmm. you know, but so women, true. when they go out to dinner, they're not, not talking about like how much they're making or, or the raise, like they're not, we're talking about other stuff. We're not normalizing having, talking about money. And like in my household, like you don't do that. Like, that's just unladylike. Like you don't, that's boastful. You know, those aren't conversations that you have. And we have to change that because we're just, you know, it's just as important for us to have those conversations and ask for the raise and, you know, make sure we're earning what we're worth than, you know, as it is for them. Absolutely. I love that us women are standing up and being boss babes and openly talking about this and breaking the cycle. What do you think of yeah. prenup? Speaking of, you know, money and being, yeah, I was going to say, what are the legal yeah. benefits? <laughs> Let's yeah, talk about prenups. Um, I did have a prenup once and I refused to sign off on it. Um, there was actually a provision that she would not gain a certain amount of weight except for pregnancy. And it was in the prenup. And oh, really? I, right. And when I saw that, that's exactly how I felt about it and what my face probably looked like. And I'm like, you cannot, one, I would not marry this person. <sighs> um, sorry to break up your, your wedding, but um, and I, I, I would oh, not put my name on it. And I think she ended up taking it and probably bringing it to another lawyer who did take her oh, money. Oh, she was okay with that? She was okay with it. Wait, I want to okay know what were the, what was the dynamic like between the two? I know you can't probably talk about your clients, but like, yeah. what, what were they like as a dynamic? I need to know. I need a picture. I know. Right. I mean, I can talk about, I'm not talking names, so it's fine. Um, a lot of money, you know, when you have, it was, okay. there was just a lot, a lot of wealth, um, on his side mm -hmm. and not on her side. And all I remember is that their honeymoon was it was either a month or like six weeks of some African safari. So we're talking, she knew she was getting into this lifestyle and this is what was going to have to be. And I always like, I think about her cause I wonder, I'm like, I wonder if she's still married. I wonder if she's happy. I wonder if she's kind of just moving through life and all of her designer clothes, just sort of like, you know, <laughs> just numb. Yeah. But, so, you know, there's things that you absolutely should not commit to in a prenup like that. That's insane. I feel like that relationship yeah. sounds a little bit more transactional. It's wow. Yeah. What's the craziest reason someone's gotten a divorce? Has any crazy, like weird reason? Oh boy. I mean, there's so many. Oh wow. There's so many. I once had um a guy who was spending all of his time going into a some fancy hotel in New York. I want to say it might've been like the Waldorf or something mm -hmm. and was charging. Um, it, it was, he wasn't working. His wife was the, the income earner and he was charging thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on porn, hotel porn. 
like to the tune of, I think we rat like, they, I think he racked up like 40 grand. Wait, and what do you mean by hotel porn? What does that mean? Like, like on the you, TV, so, they have porn you can buy, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you buy it on the TV. Oh, uh-huh. I never knew that was a thing. Okay. I mean, it was probably, I don't even know if it's a thing anymore, but like way back before there's fire sticks and all that stuff, it was, it was a thing. So yes, like that one was, and she found out about it and clearly she was not happy. because How did she, she find was, out? Was, um, I think cre- it was credit cards because he was charging credit cards and she would just pay them and not even pay attention to it. And then she started to, yeah. Check yeah. the statements. <laughs> right. This I'm like, you good. need to settle this. You need to settle this now. Cause it's not going to look good for you. <laughs> wow. That is some drama. Yeah. Now yeah. what are some like legal benefits to getting married? What are the positive sides of marriage? Are there any? Are uh, so, I mean, listen, obviously I think there are, cause I'm married three times. Um, and I love being married when you have a partner who is your equal and who is your partner, um, it's, you know, it's, it's meaningful and it's loving and you grow together and it doesn't mean there aren't challenges. I think it would be ridiculous for anyone to be like, Oh, marriage is perfect. Of course there are bumps. And of course you have to grow. And of course you have to be with someone who you can call each other out in the most respectful way of like their own BS to be like, you know what you're doing that thing again, like, or, you know, you're, you're hiding behind something or you're not being vulnerable. Like that was one, my husband called me out on early on. He's like, yeah, you're not very vulnerable. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? And so I knew once I held that mirror up, I'm like, oh, he's right. I'm like, this is something I have to work on because I had such a like armor around me after having two failed relationships. And I wanted to protect myself in case, you know, there was another one. Um, so, but when someone does that in a way that's loving and respectful, um, and you can have arguments and disagreements in a respectful way, like that's a beautiful thing. I think there's so much good to marriage, but you have to find that right person and not be afraid to walk away from the wrong person. Like mm-hmm. people funny. think you get married, you have to stay forever. And it's like an act of, you know, martyrdom that you have to see it through until you're old. Well, you don't like life is too short to stay with the wrong person because totally. when you do find the right person. It, it can be magical. So I've always wondered this when you get married, let's say in the state of California and you, when you both move to Texas, is it the laws of the state that you get married in that you have to adhere to? Or like, how does that work? I know every state's different when it comes to marriage. Yeah. So it's wherever, and this is going to be consistent everywhere, wherever you have residency of at the time of the divorce is where the laws will apply. So if you move to a different state and you're there for a period of time, each state has like some uh, six months or a year, or just the intention to stay there forever. um, And you're a resident of that state. That's what laws would apply regardless of where you walk down the aisle. So you have a book, she who wins. Do you want to talk about your book and how that came to be? We were initially pitching a divorce book and I went back to her and I said, this is not the book I want to write. And she's like, well, what are you talking about? That's your expertise. I'm like, I get it. I said, but I want to address things before that woman walks into my office. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about like, let's not talk about the marriage breaking down because some of these things maybe can be prevented. If a woman is getting is, you know, is taking, um, not afraid to take risks and bet on herself or is truly happy and chasing their own joy or having Mm. those uncomfortable conversations or educating herself about money. A lot of what happens in marriages maybe could be avoided because she's being truly authentic and she's showing up and saying, this is who I am. And maybe now I'll pick somebody different who's aligned with that. 
And so that was the intent of what the book was. And then as I started writing, it became something completely different. Um, and I realized that a lot of what I was talking about were things that I struggled with myself. And I talked about being like a people pleaser and, you know, everything from um, in my work, in my family, you know, being the good girl, the good daughter, the good wife, the good mom, like all of that. And it was like, once I started to drop that act, it was like, oh, now I'm having fun. Oh, can you talk about all the rejections that you got? It's yeah. pretty mind blowing all the different rejections. But it's so inspiring though, because where you are today, you would never think that you went through so many rejections. So I started my journey of trying to find a literary agent mm -hmm. and it was like one rejection after another, after another, after another. And I ended up getting 113 rejections from literary agents That's before awesome. I got the one yes. So mm -hmm. that whole process from start to finish was about three years before we got bet between getting the yes from her, the yes from the publisher, and then releasing the book into the world. Um, yeah. But the funny thing is I say that like divine timing is everything. And the book that I thought I was going to write three years before was not the book that this was. And I still had so much like peeling back the layers mm -hmm. that I wasn't ready to do three years before for the book that it became, because I just laid it all out there. I'm like, I'm just putting it all on the line. And I wouldn't have done that before. So I'm like the timing, you know, the timing had to happen the way it did. I, I really started to change my perspective and like that rejection is just redirecting me to something better. And that, that, what I thought I wanted is actually not the best thing. And I believe that, you know, the universe has our back and I believe that we just have to trust that. And I just started to really believe and lean into that, that faith that this was working out exactly the way it was supposed to on the, the timeline that it was supposed to. How do we stop people pleasing? Cause that's really big in your book too. Like you talk about people pleasing and that's not great. Yeah. I mean, you say no, say no when you mean no rather than say yes, when you mean no, I mean, that's a big one. Um, and I think that one takes, you have to flex that muscle a lot, because I think it's really hard, especially for women. I mean, think about like, how many times you're like, yes, I will do it, I will sign up for it, I will show up and you really don't want to do any of it. And then you're driving there. And you're like, why did I say yes to this? So really getting comfortable of just saying no, and that's it. No, thank you. And you don't have to justify it you don't have to explain it you don't have to have a reason for the no it just can be because I really don't want to or no thank you you know it, it's so it's so I think that that's a big one and the easiest one to start implementing immediately because there's probably a week doesn't go by when you're asked to do something that you don't want to do and you mm -hmm. can just you know you start using that word women though especially like you said yeah. when we say no people think we are bitches because I feel like we're yeah. conditioned to be the nurturers the people pleasers let me take care yeah. but I feel like now that we're trying to like, we're starting to stand up for ourselves, negotiate for ourselves and whatever. I just, people think we're bitches still. And it's, I feel like no is a full sentence. So it's, it's okay to say no. And it's like, you think about it, where do you want to put your energy? Like if that feels, and so I say yes to a ton of stuff. Like you guys reached out. I'm like, hell yes. Like, yeah, you know? And it was like, where do I want to spend my time and my mm -hmm. energy? And if it's something that feels good and it's like, I want to do that, then I do it. But if it's something that really, I don't love doing, um, and then it's, you know, it, it's saying no, but not apologizing for it. And right. you know what the other thing I've noticed, um, and I just had a conversation with another group of women about this is how we use the word just all the time. Like, think about an email. I'm just checking in. I oh, just, no. <laughs> we I I do that this morning. <laughs> 
all the time. I think probably once a day I start writing an email and it has that word just in it. And it's, you go back, it's like just checking in. No, I'm not just checking in. I'm checking in. Answer me. <laughs> you know? That's it's so like, interesting you say that because yeah. I, I actually thought about that the other day because I was like sending an uncomfortable email and I feel like I kind of still had a tiptoe. So I put in the just because I didn't want to uh-huh. sound too harsh. Totally. That's so true. But like, would a man do that? They have no, no problem being like, hey, da, 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 da. where like, the fuck is my money? Like, no, I mean, uh-huh. I, I hate to be so no. like harsh, but like, yeah. like, um, excuse me. We're just checking in. Hope you're doing great. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Just checking to see where my money is. They would never do that. Never. <laughs> Can you explain the no oh. list and how that yeah. works? Um, so this one is really is fun. And I try to do it a couple of times a year to see if it changes up is creating a list of the things that you do not want to put your time into that usually require your time. And for a period of time for me, it was, I, I was burnt out from practicing law and it was like right around COVID time. And I'm like, I'm going to put, I'm not taking any more clients on my no list. I'm going to focus on building my practice, starting a podcast, writing the book, doing all of that. And of course, like my mind says, well, you can't do that because how is your business going to continue to function? How will you pay payroll? Like all of the reasons why that didn't make sense. And the person who actually encouraged me to put that list together, she's like, just try it. So try it for a month. What happens? The worst is you go back and you start, you know, you start doing that thing on there. And so I did it and I, I haven't looked back since. And so until recently, actually, but that's because I changed it. It was no longer on my no list anymore. It was like, now I wanted to put it back on that yes list. So it's like you assess each season or each year to say, what are the things that I don't want to spend my time doing anymore so that I can do the things that I do want to spend my time doing because we can't do it all. And the more that you fill your life and your calendar up with all of the things that you feel like you have to do, you're not making that space and time for the things that you want to do. And sometimes like our new ideas, our creativity, our vision needs some room in order to grow and expand. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it said like that. Cause you always hear, write down your goals or what you want to focus on, but I've never yeah. heard somebody say, write down what you don't want to focus on. Yeah. So on my no list will be, do not think about this specific Men, guy. Boys, <laughs> guy. <laughs> no, I thought I, no I heard that too. And you said the no list. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Cause all of us have yes lists. Yeah. That's such an so original like, like take on it. No that's list. pretty wild. So I thought that was cool. You also have a saying, stop, drop and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. The- so that's, um, that's the framework for the book. I wanted to, you know, one of the things about the book is there's lots of self-help books that you read them and I'm sort of a self-help junkie and I've read a ton and you read them and you're like, well, this is cool, but what did I take from the book? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I wanted to give something that was an actual strategy and it had to be re- memorable and it had to be something you could, you're driving down the street and you could kind of think about it and apply it. And so as I was thinking about like, all right, what do I do? What type of framework do I create? I thought of stop, drop, and roll, which was back in the 70s. That was the what they were teaching kids to like, if their clothes caught on fire, because apparently that was a problem then. And they roll on the ground and they extinguish the fire. I'm like, well, what if we use that to light up your life? And what was the, you know, and I thought about all the divorce clients I had and they came to me with uncertainty and I would walk them through this process. And I realized it was the same exact process for every single client. And it was to stop and assess as to how they were making their decisions from their head or their heart. And most people were like rationalizing why they should do something or shouldn't do something that they knew that they felt was right for them. And so it's tapping into knowing yourself and your intuition and doing what's right. So that's stop and assess, drop your excuses. And that's where most people get hung up because we have 
all have our own unique brand of bullshit that shows up over and over for us. And it's really acknowledging what that is. And it could be like, I'll do it later when I'm, yeah, I, the kids are older. I have more money saved. Um, I lose 10 pounds. Like I'll do, they, people have excuses and they, they get stuck here. So it's really acknowledging and dropping those excuses and then rolling into action. And it doesn't have to be a massive step. It just has to be the smallest step to move you forward and then allow momentum to take over. And when you stop, drop, and roll through any major decision that you're making, you will always win because you're no longer allowing yourself to stay stuck in this place of stagnation and you're moving forward into that future, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of like if it turns out different than what you expected, but you still have forward momentum. You talk about ditching your inner good girl. I'm assuming this is all kind of about that, but yeah, what does that mean exactly? So think about... Um, it, you know, it ties into people pleasing I mean, thinking about what you have choices that you have made in your life because of other people, what decisions have you allowed other people to dictate because you think that that's what they want. Like that's the good girl. We're always trying to keep everyone else happy and we're not paying attention to what it is that we actually want. And this is generational stuff. Like this is the stuff that our parents and grandparents have dealt with and they're worried about what people think and they're worried about being judged and they're worrying about, you know, people talking about them. And they're like, it's all this stuff that has actually nothing to do with them. And it has everything to do with this perception of who we are in the world. And we're worried about being the bitch, right? Like we're going to come across, say what we want, say what we feel. And then someone's going to call us a bitch. Well, who cares? You know, and it's that ditching that good girl. It's like, you know what? I had something to say, it was important, and I'm going to say it. And I, you know, if someone doesn't hear it the right way or hear it the way that I intend, then that's on them. That's not on me. And mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. And it's being, you know, so many of us live in this place of like, well, we can't just say it. We have to, we have to, we can't, we can't have boundaries because then we'll, someone will think something of us or we'll mm -hmm. piss somebody off if we have boundaries because they're not used to us having boundaries. And it's being like, no, like I, I'm going to live my life. I only have one of one of them right now, at least this one. And I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go after what I want. And I'm going to have the relationships that I want and, and cut the cord from the people who I don't want in my life. And I'm not, I'm going to be apologetic about it because, and it's not about being like a jerk. It's about when you align yourself with, with the things that you want, like then you light up right? Then you like, then you actually pour back into the world. And that's how you show up in that best version. And now you're truly contributing and you're doing what you love, love and other people are benefiting from that. Like that's what happens when we ditch that, that good girl. So going along with toxic relationships that you should cut off, if you're dating a toxic person, do you think that bleeds over into your, if you're an entrepreneur, do you think it bleeds over yeah. into your business, into your work life? It can't not. Um, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't separate out those worlds. Like at some point you're going to walk into, you're going to walk into work and you're going to be miserable because you just had a fight when you were walking out the door and now you're showing up and you're angry and you're thinking about it. And maybe he's texting you nonstop and now it's impacting the work that you're doing and you're distracted. Like it absolutely impacts everything It all you know, it all matters who we put our, ourselves around matters. And that's, you know, that's relationships, that's friends, that's family. And sometimes you have to cut those ties, even when it's hard, because they bring you down to this kind of dark 
ugly place that it's easy to fall into when, I mean, think about like going back for a holiday with family and like, you know, you're visiting for a weekend and it's like, by the end, you're like, you know, you're shaking and like, you're angry and like, you start, you know, like by the time you leave, like you're not the best version of yourself. I and just it's had like, that happen. <laughs> right. I know. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Toxic family. It's, I think everyone can relate to that though. Right. And family yeah. it's the, it's the hardest. Cause you're kind of stuck with that. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's setting those boundaries and, and just being like speaking of, because it, I think so often we often like push it down and we're like, we'll just bite our tongue. We're just not going to say it. Cause it will be easier just to go along and get along than have to deal with it. But at some point you, it spills over and it's just being like, listen, I love you. And this isn't working for me anymore. And we need to communicate in a different way or how you're treating me is inappropriate and having that. And if they can't hear that, then, you know, then you have to put some distance. This doesn't mean you're not seeing them for holidays. It's just when you show up, you kind of have some emotional, like emotional divider between the two of you. And, you know, you decide that you're not going to let anything that they say impact you. Mm. Can we also talk about the pressures that us girls have? You know, like getting married, having kids, having a business, like now that's added pressure before it was just getting married and having kids. Now it's, well, you need to be successful too. It's like, holy shit. What are we doing? How do we do this? Well, and with like the filters and everything these days too, I feel like the standards of beauty, it's like even harder to attain. It's like, it's kind of tough nowadays. Don't you think? It's just all of it. I have, you know, a true story. So I'm 46. I had, I was hosting an event back in the spring and I realized I have like, I'm like, I have these lines around my lips that I'm like, I wish they weren't there. So mm-hmm. I went to a doctor who did, um, did Botox, did fillers, mm-hmm. did, did all of that. And I sat there and she started telling me all the places that she could improve my face. She could plump up my cheeks. She could do the fillers. She could do And I felt so sick sitting there. I'm like, oh my God, why am I sitting here? For what purpose? For who? And like, what? And I walked out and I never got any of it done. And that really got me thinking about all of the things like the, those standards that we feel like we have to, you know, live up to. And I think it's hard in this space too, like the digital space, because you see, you know, what we see. And then we see a lot of digital creators and people who are well-known who are doing all of that and they look much younger. And then you feel like you have to like, you know, match them or, um, you know, keep up with that. Um, and it's hard. And I think at some point we all just, you know, get to that point where we step back and we're like, you question for what, for who? And if it's not for you, like I have no, anyone can do like, do whatever you want. Um, but if you're doing it for you, like if you're doing it for the outside world, then don't do it. But if it's for you and it makes you feel better then you know, absolutely do it. But it's really questioning where that comes from. Cause yeah, the standards are hard. Like we're supposed to be perfect all the time. It's hard know? being a woman. <laughs> My standard, it's, it's not like the beauty stuff. My standards again, are just like that marriage. And cause you see the friends getting married and having yeah. kids. The biological clock. The now we got to think about thing. that like stresses me yeah. out. It's like that. It's like it so much pressure. Cause I think for me, I like, I, I want the marriage for sure, but I really want the kids. And yeah. I think for you, yeah. it's, you really want the marriage and you're like, if the kids take happen. or leave the kids. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just the pressure yeah. of both. It's scary. I'm like, yeah. but, but yet we still also want our career. So it's like, right. I don't know. Right. Hard. Right. And something has to give, right? Like at some point, something has to bend. And like, I think there's seasons where you have, you can devote completely to 
relationships in your personal life and then your career takes a little bit of a backseat and then you have seasons where your career is front and you know your kids are eating mcdonald's like like there's you just it's it's recognizing like there's always going to be seasons and just making kind of peace that doesn't have to be perfect all the time but i mean don't rush it don't rush it you don't you know like it's Mm -hmm. you you do all of the things in the right timing that is meant for you not the timing that someone else tells you is supposed to be so you got the book you have the summit you have your firm which has the cutest name happy even after I think that is so cute so where can people find you what are you working on Mm -hmm. give it all so um oh so I have a second book that I started slightly drafting I'm just starting to like think through it now I know what I know what it's about but I'm just starting to kind of like figure out what the, the hook is for it um but I'm actually right now it's, um, oh, I have a tech company that we didn't talk about called the Tarot Bridge, um, okay. which is, I know, totally random, right? So it was a, a friend of mine who's a tarot card reader, mm-hmm. um, has been doing it for 40 years. She's amazing at it. She's like, there's no place for tarot card readers to come together and be able to um, get business in a way that is like, uh, makes sense because most tarot card readers are doing it on TikTok or through their cell phone. She's like, I want to create a platform so people can come in and know that the reader is um, has integrity. It's not like a scammy pay by the minute. Mm-hmm. So we launched, we created, did all the research for a tech company and launched the Tarot Bridge. Um, oh, that's this so year. cool. Oh, yeah. Well, this has been amazing talking to you. Wait, where can people will find you yes oh, um instagram is my favorite place to to hang out so that's at ms renee bauer well renee this has been a blast we learned so much thank you for taking the time we so appreciate it and i know our audience is gonna love you and thank you thank you for having me this was so much fun i knew it would be but I am the chaser.